Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Chuck, I know you're probably still recovering from New Year's Eve, aren't you? You probably had a whale of a time, didn't oh, you? Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I made it to about, uh, oh, 1045 or so that <laughs> night. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, hey, it's good to be back at it. Good to see you guys. I had zero intention of staying up till midnight, but as often happens when we are off several days in a row, the sleep schedule was messed up, and there I found myself watching TV as the clock struck midnight central i'm more of a midnight east coast guy and uh and then go to bed i'm more of an australia guy yeah. you know like uh early in the uh early in the day you know it is interesting i mean we all get up really early to do this i know you guys do it every day but y'all off work for a few days and all of a sudden you're you're up at midnight you know yeah. you sleep till eight o'clock in the morning and uh, you do things you never do but i guess that's why it's fun to be off a few days so tonight it's uh, Arkansas, Missouri, Bud Walton Arena. We just mentioned it. Arkansas has lost its last two SEC home openers to Missouri in 21. They were ranked 12th in the country. Last year, Chuck, it was Vanderbilt. Uh, what has Arkansas got to do tonight to avoid making it three in a row? Got to shoot better. Got to shoot better than they did against LSU, that's for sure. Um, I thought, you know, obviously we were doing the Liberty Bowl, but I went back and watched the replay and um, yeah, it wasn't early in the ball game they got shots. Early in the ball game they got good looks. They just didn't go. Um, as the game wore on, they got frustrated and they started, you know, throwing up a lot of bad shots. Frankly, but their defense was good. Um, and you know, you hope a lot of times it does work out where you shoot better at home. And I would expect them to shoot better at home. But I think right now, you know, the reality of Brazil not playing. And the reality of Smith not playing often is beginning, you know, it's going to show when you play better teams. It's going to show when you play teams that really guard you hard. And um, I thought that happened the other night. And the teams that they're going to play from now on are going to guard them a lot harder than what those teams in pre-conference play did, even the good ones, because there's so much more on the line now. So um, I, I, I think they're offensively, uh, with Brazil out, and, you know, if Smith plays, it changes things. If he doesn't, it pretty much stays the same. That, um, you know, you got to find people that can score. One of the good things about the pre-conference slate was you never really knew where the points were going to come from. But you knew they were going to come. You know, we're to the point now where I think you kind of need to have a better idea about where your points are going to come from because you're playing better teams. And so I think they're going to be a work in progress offensively for a little while. Um, unless or until Smith comes back. 
Coach said on Monday that he is still out indefinitely, no update on his status. And you kind of brought up a couple things you were talking about with Dave Neal on the latest edition of the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast, and that's just kind of figuring out where that scoring is. Here's what Dave said on the pod yesterday. I think these guys had a whole summer and preseason to kind of figure out what they were going to be, and they're not that now. So I think it's still a matter of figuring it out. Plenty of talent. There's no question about it. I just think guys are trying to figure out, you know, what their roles are right now. And luckily it's early in the season, but yet you don't want to fall too far behind trying to figure this out. So it's kind of a little catch-22 in that you don't have a whole lot of time, but yet you're only in game two of an SEC slate. So, you know, I think Muscle figured it out. Listen, he's done this a long time, and he knows the right buttons to push. Chuck, does Anthony Black need to look to score more, kind of like he did in Maui? Oh, I think the game dictates that. I, I don't. I think if you go out and you say I'm going to look to score, I think that's when you start putting up bad shots. And I think some of that happened against LSU, frankly, and watching the replay is that you know when someone puts the onus on you, I got to score more. Well, what's the first thing you do? You shoot more because you got to score, or at least you think you do. So. You know, to say this guy's got to score more, I, I, I wouldn't say that, no. I, th- I think the game dictates that. I heard you mention yesterday about the, you know, two ranked teams playing in the opener and kind of the historical value of tonight. Uh, obviously, M- Missouri brings a number in next to their name. Tell us what you've seen in your research getting ready for tonight. Uh, Missouri is number one in field goal percentage. Fast breaks are number one. Steals. Yeah. I mean, this is a really good basketball team. They get up and down the floor. I mean, they get up and down the floor. They give up some points, but they get a lot of steals. And I think about, um, you know, some of our great teams in years past, man, they got up the floor. Uh, a lot of times, you know, they give up what we would call easy baskets here and there, although I don't know that they were all that easily earned. But, you know, you give up what some would call easy baskets. But, you know, they're a high-volume steals team. They average 12 and a half steals a game. So, um, you know, they're going to get after you and score in transition. But, you know, he's done, uh, in terms of assembling his roster, he's done a similar thing to what McMahon did at LSU. You know, McMahon brought those guys from Murray State with him. Well, Gates has brought these guys from Cleveland State with him. A couple of them are really good. And then Kobe Brown, who's a fourth-year guy at Missouri, it seems like he's been there since, you know, 2005, but I mean, he was just an okay player when he got there. But you know, it's a 23, 22, 23 year old guy. And I mean, he's built like a brick house. And so he's taking advantage of that right now. And he's, I mean, he's an all conference player. I think, I can't remember who told me this, but what Arkansas did with hiring Eric Musselman, they went out and got what is perceived to be a mid-major coach that's had success, and you had these other SEC teams prior to that hired like big-name coaches, big-money coaches, and now it's kind of reverted back to getting some of these mid-major guys. Do you think that was a byproduct of what they've seen Arkansas have success with Muss? That oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know that I'd necessarily make all that about you know Arkansas, but. Um, you know, I think lots of programs around the country, and I mean, I can remember us doing it with Stan Heath, and it didn't work out so well. So, you know, um, Pelfrey, too. You, a lot of times in the SEC, they've gone with those guys because they're cheaper. You know, not because they necessarily believe that's a formula for winning. It's because they're cheaper. But in this case, you know, in the transfer portal era, you hire these guys, and they bring players with them. 
because they've got good players at the mid-major level. We see them all the time. And these guys, I'm sure, all feel like, man, I could be doing it at the highest level. I'm sure they all think that. Yeah. And then their coach goes to a Power 5 job, and they go with them. Used to, you hire a mid-major guy just on the hope that he could recreate what he'd done before. Now you hire him with the idea that he's going to bring half his team. Yeah. And see, to me, Muss was is in a different mold than a lot of those mid-major guys you talk about. A, he was older when you hired him. He was in his mid-50s at that time, early to mid-50s. And he had a ton of professional basketball experience, international and in the That's NBA. And, I mean, his no, pedigree and his right. resume is much, much different than a lot of these guys you're, you're right. talking about. That's exactly right. Something else you were talking with Dave about on the podcast, Chuck, was the investment that Mike Slive kind of pushed with basketball. And Tommy was alluding to it earlier, how the SEC really looks like a conference to be reckoned with this year. I mean, how much – you've done this a while. I mean, how much improvement have you seen from the Tony Barbie, John Pelfrey, Darren Horn days to where this, con- this conference currently is with its basketball teams? Well, I mean, the league right now can go toe-to-toe with anybody. You know, I'm not saying we can argue about what the best league is out there, but the point is the SEC can go toe-to-toe with anybody now. You know, there's, there's, there's been a couple of moments in the history, in our history, you know, the time we've been in the SEC. Um, you know, I think Roy Kramer deserves the lion's share of the credit for baseball uh, becoming as popular as it is. He had a vision on what it could be, and, um, you know, I think, Commissioner Slive and hiring Dan Lebowitz, um, you know, to basically run the basketball operation. Um, I think there was a commitment there that obviously we're looking back on now and saying that was a big moment. So, um, look, the SEC with the television revenue from particularly football, um, you've got the money to be, you know, you've got the money to commit to basketball now. And in the past, I don't know that there was as much money to commit you know, school by school, mm-hmm. as maybe there is today. But um, I think they've all figured out that, you know, basketball can be a big bonanza too. So Arkansas is right in the middle of it, number 13 in the country. Let's talk about this team and tonight, Chuck. Uh, obviously, you mentioned earlier, and we all know Trevin Brazell's out, and that's a reality you'll, you'll face the rest of the year. Nick Smith's an uncertainty. So if you take those two kind of out of the calculus right now and out of the equation where does this team, the way it sits, what we expect to see tonight, in your opinion, guys, how does this team compare to the last couple of Razorback teams with where you're at right now? Well, I think it's similar. You know, I think it's similar. Arkansas was dealing with, you know, Justin Smith's injury. I remember that. And um, You know, we as fans focus on winning the conference. You know, we want our team to win the conference. We focus on things like, well, you've got to be a three seed if you're going to play close by. I think right now, and I think it's been this way before, you know, and I don't think Arkansas is alone in this respect. I mean, what you're trying to do right now is is get better and figure it out because things are going to happen during the course of the season. And, you know, you're going to have to retool injuries and all kinds of things come up. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I think it's similar maybe to the Justin Smith year where – you know, you're 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 trying to figure out where your points are going to come from. I'm trying to figure out how you avoid any more injuries. I mean, that maybe maybe I'm glass half empty uh, and crack guy, but that's what I worry about right now. Is one more injury could just unravel this thing, and that's probably not true. But that's the overreaction that you you have when you kind of look at what's going on. 
Well, you know, I guess you cross that bridge winter yeah. if you get there. But I, I mean, don't know what uh, you do to uh, avoid it, but I'm just... Well, you don't. I, you just I, I mean, you breath. just go play and hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> you just hold your breath. I think that people were very unaware of Trevin Brazil's ceiling, and then you saw it, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this kid's awesome. But we knew what Nick Smith yeah. could be. No one was be. talking preseason how no. this guy was going to be a stud. But know? And then we still haven't in my opinion, seen Nick Smith's junior ceiling yet, and hopefully we'll get to see that at some point. So I understand the the apprehension that we kind of feel right yeah. now, hoping that something else, but you can't play like that or think like that either. So, I mean, it's game two, guys, tonight in the, in the SEC. But what is the importance of this game? I, mean, I just mentioned, Chuck, at the top that, you know, you've lost your last two at home and one to Missouri, one to Vanderbilt to begin SEC play, and you've still went on to the Elite Eight. Uh, you mentioned earlier with one and three to start last year in SEC play, still one of the elite eight. So, I mean, you're what? playing to get better. You're playing to get better. What you're trying to do? You're not focused on winning the SEC. You're not thinking about well, we lost our home game last year. You're not. You're not thinking about that. You're just, you're you're just trying to get better. I mean, you know, you've got the end game when you get to March. You know, you know the tournament's coming. And not just with Arkansas, but with all programs. History tells you that I mean, you can stumble some here and there. If you got it going at the right time, you can make a run. And so, you know, I think in many respects, from an offensive standpoint, um, you are definitely retooling right now. There's no doubt about it. Um, but you're retooling for what's going to happen in a couple of months. Yeah. And you're building toward that. And so, um, you know, tonight's part of that process. It'd be great to run the table the rest of the way, win the SEC. Be great to be a number one, two, or three seed, be playing about a four-hour drive from home. That'd be awesome. But I think the focus right now is this is where we are, this is who we got, and, um, you know, we got to build toward March. See, so you, you talked about KJ's kind of passing number wheelhouse, that 20 to 25 range. If he's chucking the ball more than that, you're probably losing. Is there like a number of threes this team probably needs to shoot? Because we saw him jack 20-plus against LSU, and that's not the formula for them to win. Is there like a kind of barometer where they need to kind of be in the range of for you to feel good about how the, how the game concluded? Well, I think that you've got to get points in the paint. You've got to attack the rim and get to the free throw line. Is there a magic number? No. Um, you know, sometimes a game dictates that. Sometimes you're shooting better yeah, certain games than yeah. you are in other games. And a lot of those times it's at home. If you make it, so, you keep no, shooting I, uh, them. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's a specific number. Yeah. Well, it's you, when you're not making them, quit shooting them and find a way to, to get points. Yeah. And that, that's the problem is they weren't making them. What was it 0 for 13 in the first half yeah. against LSU? And you just keep keep shooting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this doesn't they appear to me to be a team that's going to shoot their way out of a slump very often. No, no, they got frustrated. And um, uh, look, they'll uh, you know they're going to face similar situations all season long in conference. And you know, again, I, I I thought every aspect of their game against LSU was good except the shooting. Unfortunately, basketball the only thing you get points for is putting the ball in the hoop. So. You know, you got to get better at that. But it wasn't like I thought they went down there and just played a disastrous game. They just didn't shoot well. And every other part of their game, I thought, traveled. But um, you got to shoot well. You got to get to that free throw line. When you get there, you, uh, you know, you got to make them. They still had a chance at the end. I mean, I, you know, Walsh's shot kind of nearly went in, and that would have extended the game. But, I mean, I don't know how many games guys Arkansas is going to win you know, scoring in the 50s. And that was just an ugly game in the mud, and LSU did what they needed to do to 
stop the hogs. So I think I think it was an introduction to some of these freshmen and the transfers that haven't played conference basketball in this league. There's going to be dogfights some nights. You're going to have to well, find a way to win when you're not hitting shots like they were this past game against LSU. And I think there'll be a lot more points tonight against Missouri. But some sometimes, man, you just can't throw in the ocean. You just got to find a way to win. Well, but 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 they did all those things. They did all those things at LSU, except win the game. I I mean, you you know, you can use cliches like you got to find a way to win. I I mean, you don't just find a way to win. I mean, you got to play well enough to put yourself in that spot, and uh, they did that, despite the fact that they didn't shoot well. But you know, the bottom line is again, you got to put the ball in the basket. I mean, that's the only way you get points. And and I would suspect that, particularly at home. Um, I would I would suspect that they'll be they'll be much better in that area tonight. I hope everybody had a great New Year. And I, I, if if one of your resolutions is that, you know, I'm going to make sure my homes manage a little bit better. I'm going to make sure all my systems are up and running. I don't want to deal with some of the things we dealt with during this cold weather during December. Let me recommend Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric for all your home service needs. And, you know, one of the things that they offer is the plan protection program. And I, I, I really believe in this because if you're a homeowner, you understand that, you know, it's preventative maintenance that keeps you from the disasters. And that's what this program allows for. It allows for your system to be checked seasonally. It also allows you to have priority scheduling. If things do arise, and you know, Pascal Air Plumbing and Electrics a program is a company that's been around for 50 years in Northwest Arkansas. They're expanding all over the state. In fact, if you can hear me right now, there's a very good chance that Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric can service you and take care of your home service needs. Professional people, professional service. I think that's what you're going to find more than anything. And you can log on to gopascal.com. I think everybody found out about priority scheduling if they had busted last week. You, Baby, you're ooh, not lying man. about that. So that's, that's, that's good stuff right there. Let's talk to David, who's in South Arkansas this morning. Go ahead, David. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Just a question since y'all are talking about injuries and other stuff. I've noticed, of course, like some athletes and players who know specifics about the injury, what the injury is, how long of rehab and stuff and others like smith is like well it's management who controls that release of information on these players is it the player the family the school the doctors if y'all could just explain that why is there such a discrepancy i guess between some information on some guys and then like no information on others i'd appreciate it thanks yeah, that's a Best great question we've that's had a, a great question and, and chuck the reality is things have changed because with nil with players futures when you're dealing with one and done type players there's there's a lot more layers around the player than there ever has been before well you're right and uh you know these look when you're playing ball and you're getting paid you're a professional you may be 19 years old, but if you're getting paid for playing ball, you're a professional. And with that, as you say, comes layers, comes people, comes people with uh, their hand out, in some cases their hand dug in. And, uh, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the reality of it. And some players, the information's controlled by the school. Some players, it's controlled by outside forces. Um the most frustrating part in all this, I think, for people is trying to figure out who they is. Well, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make sure his knee's not hurt. They're trying to protect their investment. They're trying to make sure nothing happens. Well, who's they? 
you know, sometimes, and as I, I, I understand the caller's question, and I understand his frustration, because sometimes I don't know who they is either. Um, and you know, the one thing that I and 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 I've made this comment before. I, I think with college sports basically getting in bed with the gambling industry, um, all this stuff's going to go away eventually. You're going to eventually have disclosures, just like you do in professional sports. Um, college sports more and more every day becomes like pro sports. And I think that's going to be a step that's taken somewhere along the line. You can't jump in bed with the gambling industry and then like keep secrets about who's playing and who's not, thus affecting the lines. They don't do that in professional sports. There are strict rules against it. You can get fined. You can get fined for doing stuff like this in the pros. And so um, at some point in time, I think there will be um, – you know, I think all this is going to be bargained for. A lot of things are going to be bargained for somewhere down the road, and I think this is one of them. Arkansas is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against Missouri, and the reason I bring that up is because I've had more than rest listeners ask me about Nick, and I don't have anything to tell them, but they bet futures on Arkansas to win the national championship, but they don't know if Nick's going to play or not, so they don't know if that should be void or how that goes. To, to your point, Chuck, it's a lot more likely that Arkansas had as a chance to bring home another natty if he was playing than if he was not. And so they feel like they've almost been gypped because they well, don't know if their money, if they invested wisely. That's why it's called gambling. Um, I, I mean, that's why it's called gambling. You've got to make decisions based on that. My point is, is that if college athletics is going to take their money, so to speak, um, you know, there's nothing free. I mean, at some point they're going to say, "Hey, we need a little more out of this." We're not, uh, uh, as you say, our 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 betters. But now, I also want to say this very clearly: um, college coaches and college players don't need to be concerned about that. It should never enter their minds. But unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I won't go that far. But you know, there's the reality now that um, the two industries are intertwined just like in professional sports. They're intertwined now. They've become part of the vernacular. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, um, it's going to have to be dealt with at some point. So what's to happen or what's to stop, excuse me, from those certain outside forces? And I'm not talking about the ones that are handlers or whatnot, but I'm talking about guys that pay college players, hey, I want you to throw this game or college coaches because that well you've always got the danger in that that's that's that sports is greatest fear at is, all levels is that more prevalent now in college because i don't think it's ever no. really hit on college Maybe right? no, concern, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know it's more prevalent i don't i don't i don't uh, i may be naive on this i don't i don't i don't think there are very many games thrown um there's uh um there's too much on the table um if you've got um you know your team will turn on you for doing that and so I, I, I think that's always been there. I mean, there's, you know, people didn't just start gambling on sports. Well, I mean, it's always been that way. You know who's more guarded against it than anyone is, is, the, is the books, is Vegas, is yeah. Sarah, all these folks. And they've got many oh, systems yeah. in place yeah. to. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, they're going to be the first to report. That, that's the thing. They are trained to watch for this. Exactly. And believe me, so. in the pro leagues, they got people whose job it is to make sure this is not happening. You know, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be a rampant problem in, no, I don't either. in college sports.
Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So we know Kentucky is the biggest rival that Arkansas has for basketball, but what is number two? Is it Missouri? Is it Texas? 877-377-6963. Guys, I'm excited that Missouri's ranked tonight. Again, Chuck, you brought it up earlier, the fact that first time you're ever opening up as a ranked opponent in SEC play, playing a ranked opponent. You've actually fared well in the last five times you've done this. You've won these games. But is this the second biggest rival for Arkansas in basketball behind Kentucky? I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, I think it depends on who's good that year. You know, when we came into the league, man, we had some battles with Alabama. I mean, some great games with Alabama uh, back in the day. And they were a rival there for a little while. So, uh, yeah. And so, uh, um, you know, uh, Kentucky's the, uh, the Alabama in SEC basketball. We don't just consider them to be our biggest rival. So does Tennessee. Uh, so do some other teams out there. So, um, but in terms of, you know, we had some great games with LSU when Dale Brown was there. Some great games with LSU. So I, I just think it kind of varies based on who's good that year and who's not. There's been three times where you've had this situation: a ranked, a ranked Arkansas team playing a ranked opponent under Coach Muss. And looking at those games, you mentioned Alabama last year. They were ranked sixth. Arkansas was ranked twentieth. You had 23rd uh, Arkansas playing 16th Tennessee in uh, February of 22, and then number 18 Arkansas against number six Kentucky also in February 22. All three of those games, Arkansas was the underdog, at least from the polls. Tim, I don't know what the lines were at the time of those games, but the higher ranked team was the opponent. Chuck. Yeah, I mean, uh, where were those games played too? I I I, I oh, think th- the Tennessee home Kentucky games, game so, home games. Yeah. All right, so um, you know it's it's. It's fun to have a game like this. I mean, it's fun to have an SEC opener with two ranked teams. Um, <laughs> you know, when I look at the schedule out of the gate, I mean, at LSU, uh, it was better than we thought they were going to be. Uh, against Missouri, it was better than we thought they were going to be. Then you go to Auburn, who's good, just like we thought they'd be. And then you play Alabama at home, who's beaten the number one ranked team twice. So, man, out of the gate, that's a, man, I, I, you know, that's a rough stretch. And, you know, tonight's an important game from that standpoint. I didn't think, like you're saying, a lot of people had Missouri circled on the schedule. But I don't know about you, Chuck. I've gotten a lot of ticket requests for this game that originally I didn't think I was going to get based on where the Tigers are slated right now in the SEC and not just the SEC, but AP-wise. Well, I think, you know, a lot of the credit's going to go to the Razorbacks for that, too. I I, I think, yeah, the fact that it's a ranked matchup makes people want to go more, but I also think too the calendar's flipped now and it's basketball season. So and uh I think I, I you know, naturally I think the crowds are gonna be bigger. 
So who are the bad teams in this league? <laughs> that might be the harder thing to figure out. Where where are the wins you can circle? Because I'm not, you know, I'm just looking at the standings right now. You got Florida at seven and six on the year. South Carolina seven and seven. Ole Miss has not won a conference game. There's they're one of two zero uh, and two teams. Mississippi State and Ole Miss and State was one we were talking about. You know, with their net ranking, they're they're zero and two, but they're eleven and three on the year. Guys, I don't, you know, I, I'm having a harder time figuring out, hey, these are the games you can kind of rely on or lean on. Well, I think, you you know, we're going to have to let this sort out. I I, uh, I I understand the importance of net rankings and all that stuff, but I, I think it's fool's gold right now, to be real honest with you. I watched Mississippi State last night, and I think they're going to be a team that wins a lot of games at home and loses a lot of games on the road. I mean, Tennessee just, I mean, blew them out. It was 16 to nothing at the first TV timeout. I mean, they just blew them away. So there are going to be some teams, I, and I think Mississippi State may be one of them, and there may be some others, too, that you know, they're good enough to beat you at home. Most of the time, you're going to beat them at your place. Uh, but I think there are teams out there, and I hope Arkansas is one of them, that are going to be able to go on the road and get wins. And they're going to be hard to come by. But I don't think there's going to be a lot of automatics at home this year, either. I mean, uh, sometimes there will be. But I think if you're playing a good team at home, I don't think the fact that you're at home is going to be a guarantee. Circling back to your question, though, it's number 20, Missouri, number 13, Arkansas. Is this Arkansas' second biggest rival? Boy, a great one tonight would go a long ways to to maybe making that a more solid yes. I'll that, bet if Arkansas wins tonight, two weeks from tonight, mm-hmm. when the Razorbacks play at Mizzou, it's a big game. Yeah. Either way, it'll probably be a big game. Mizzou had a full house for their Kentucky game, so they're drawing fairly well, evidently. All right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by V's Barbershop with two locations in Rogers and Bentonville. Visit V's Barbershop online at vbarbershop.com or in person and see why V's is a cut above the rest. Not going to lie, I was kind of surprised to see Jordan Dominic announce that he's entering the transfer portal. Chuck, were you surprised by that? You know, I had two reactions on that, just to be very honest with you. The first one was as a fan, and yes, I was surprised, um, you know, just strictly as a fan. But, you know, when you step back and you look at this, when you look at the transfer portal and you look at the NIL and how it all intertwines, the thing you always have to remember is that when you get a player in the transfer portal, it means they've left somebody else. So don't be surprised when they leave you for somebody else. Um, they've already established that they'll do that. That's how you got them in the first place. I also think there are probably times where, you know, you think about just in your professional life. You may be completely happy at the job that you have right then. But the phone rings one day, and, hey, you get a better offer. Doesn't mean you're unhappy, but you got a better offer. And so you go. I'm not saying that happened here. I don't know what happened here, frankly. I don't know if maybe he just woke up one day and thought the grass might be greener somewhere else. But my point is, is that sometimes things like that do happen. Um, and I think this is going to affect even high school kids. I, I, I read the article about the kid that signed with Texas A&M, and he said, I'm going to get six figures. He said, I'm going to get six figures for playing for him. And they said, well, what are you going to do? What do you got to do for that money? He said, well, I got to score touchdowns. And then he said, uh, oh, I'll, I'll do some TV stuff too. And I'm thinking, my God, 
I mean, this is an 18-year-old kid. He has no idea what he's talking about. He just knows he's getting the money. And my point is, is that's changed everything. And, and that's why, you know, again, somebody may be perfectly happy in their job, but if a better offer comes along, you know, you owe it to yourself and your family to move on down the road. And then sometimes, too, it is a situation where the kid's already established he'll leave you. He's already established that he'll leave his team. So, you know, don't be overwhelmed when he leaves you. Um, I think that's the nature of the game now. And it is a what's-in-it-for-me deal with some people, not all of them. You're not going to build your team with what's-in-it-for-me people because, as we all know, people like that destroy an organization. So, you know, ultimately my reaction to that is is that, you know, this is the era of the mercenary in some respects. And, um, you know, the portal giveth, it taketh away. But don't be surprised when somebody leaves you because they've left somebody else. With NIL contracts, when you do leave that said program, doesn't matter if it's Arkansas or whatever, I haven't seen one of these. Does that money die? I mean, or do they get to keep Well, you don't have to give anything back that you've gotten already. You're probably not going to get any more. But you're not having to give any money back. I didn't know if it was paid out in installments or all up front, if it was kind of like a bi-monthly thing like we most people get paid or if it's once a month. I, I don't know how this works. That's Well, nobody well, when there are no rules, you you know, you set your own. So I'm sure it's different with different players at different schools. Probably different with different players within the same school. Um I honestly, you know, I'm kinda like you. I don't know exactly how it's done, but I know once money's in your pocket, <laughs> generally it's probably already spent. <laughs> Possessions but, uh, nine tenths of the law. Yeah, I mean you're not giving anything back. You you know, and and, and the new money's going to come from the new place. Sue me, I guess theoretically. Sue me. Sue me. <laughs> I, Good luck with that. I just know we we've spoken to the fact that college coaches, particularly in college football, have a lot of power and say so on these contracts. We're seeing these outrageous buyouts, and we see them leave with really no consequences whatsoever, and I didn't know if agents were using that same philosophy and formula when it comes to college kids that there's no... I don't think there's a buyout, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't, I don't <clears throat> pardon me. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's a buyout involved. But... Uh... Yeah, you know, something will give, something will change. I don't know. You, you you talked in the last hour about, you know, seems like we're headed for some kind of collective bargaining, some kind of some kind of reckoning on this. We I don't are. know what it will be necessarily, but th- th- this is not sustainable what we're doing now. Well, Herb Street brought this up on game day the other day, and I think he's exactly right. I mean, uh, um, um, form your own deal, uh, have a commissioner, form a players union, make it like the pros where you bargain. You know, you you, you you have what amounts to a collective bargaining agreement. You have to have rules in this. You have to have things that protect the schools. You have to have things that protect the players. That's why they bargain uh, in professional sports. That's why you have union representatives. That's why you have a league representative. That's why they, from time to time, have, uh, have strikes and stoppages and things like that. But I don't know how else you're going to do this. Um, I think he's on to something there. I never thought I would ever see this happen in college sports. I never thought I would see it happen. We started talking about this in sports talk radio 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, we're here now, and there are no rules, and there have to be rules to make this work, just like in the pros. So I I, I just think at some point, um, hey, let's just go full bore. 
let's just unionize, let's break away from the NCAA, let's do our own thing, and I don't see any other way to resolve it. So, I mean, and I, I agree, that's, that's where we're headed, but to me, I mean, when you watch sports, I don't care if it's NASCAR, football, basketball, whatever, everyone should start at, you know, everyone begins at the same starting line, and it doesn't feel like in the world of NIL, you're, you're necessarily starting at the same beginning point because let's just be if one school's got 15 million in nil one school's got 500,000 or 5 million even they're at a competitive disadvantage you can say well what about facilities what about well but there's a reason there's a scholarship limit right it's to it's to levelize the playing field and to give everyone a chance to to compete so whatever collective bargaining comes at some point to me guys it's got to include some kind of cap or limit or some kind of levelization of the playing field within IL money. Well, I I think one of the really important things, too, is to make sure that it's done in a way where um, you respect the game. Um, you know, when you look at what they do in professional sports right now, Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the NBA, the overall health of the league is at the forefront of all the decisions that are made. Protect the shield. And absolutely. And, you know, there's there's some merit to that. And in college sports, it is every school for themselves. I, I mean, you answer to your – I mean, the people you really answer to are your boosters. But, you, you know, you answer to the people at your school. And I don't, I don't think any football department, basketball department, baseball department, I, I don't think when they're out there recruiting and – doing what they got to do to get players in this environment today that they're thinking, man, we got to make sure the NCAA is okay. I don't think they're thinking about that. (laughs) Oh, they're the villain. They're the villain in every conversation. Well, who's a fan of the NCAA? Who who are these people? Nobody. It's like, who's a fan of the refs? Nobody. You know, I mean, so the NCAA is just the, the, the consummate villain that no one's going to ever support. And that's why I think ultimately you do have to have an organization where um, you know, I don't know exactly how you administer it. Um, you know, they're going to get paid umpteen million dollars to figure that out. But you've got to have something well, to where you've uh, you've got an organization like you do in the NFL, and the players are organized as well. You work this stuff out, and you, at the very least, have a well, set of guidelines. How does it work in the NFL? Or how does it work in any yeah. union type job? There are union dues. There are a fee. There's a fee, and part of your NIL money, in theory, I would suppose, would go to support that type of leadership and organization. That's how it works in the real world. I mean, I, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you administer it, but I know that, uh, as you say, it's 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 not sustainable. There, there are some things that are going to have to be done. I personally think they need to do away with the early signing period. I think that would help. I think it was a good idea in the in the you know the golden era, or <laughs> the golden it. era of five the years ago. Era. Well, I mean, or but, move it uh, out of December. I've I've always been a let's move it to August, but no one seems to well be a, a, a fan I, I, of that. I think you, uh, um, um, I think the way it was um, probably was the best way. People got in a hurry; uh, they got tired of all this, you know, having to deal with things and you know up to the signing day and all the shenanigans that went on and they had a guy committed they wanted to get him signed and you know the system set up now where you know the big things kids coming to campus early um you know the way the system set up right now with the early signing period that's the goal 
I mean, you know, with mm-hmm. good players, I mean, you want to get them in for that spring practice when they normally be in, you know, the last semester of high school. I, I don't, frankly, just my personal opinion is if that's the way the system's set up, then you got to play within it, and that's what you got to do. But that's a bad system. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should have bunch of 18 year old kids going to college early i think they need to enjoy that 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 last year of high school yeah because i mean they got a plan around graduating early being finished with their high school work a semester early in order to 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 accomplish that but hey they uh kids have a lot more pressure on them now than they did when i was that age uh, that's for sure listen if they get to that point and they collectively bargain and they need some commissioners they need some people to make seven figures available i mean you're available i think we're all available aren't we yeah yeah. Well, let me tell you something. If they turn the administration part over to me, um, I don't care how much they pay me. They'd be in worse shape than they were the day they started, <laughs> I promise you. Maybe you're more of an administrator than I am, Tommy. I'm I'm more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of guy. I say what I hey. think too often. I couldn't yeah. do that. Hey, let me talk to you a second about V's Barbershop. If you want that new look for the new year, let me recommend V's Barbershop. They're a full-service barbershop, and that means they do a lot more than just provide a great haircut. First off, it's an experience. And uh, it, it, it will take you back to when you were a kid. Uh, real barber chairs, old-fashioned hot leather, straight-edge razor shaves. And, you know, it, it probably shouldn't be a new standard, but it is. It, you know, the new standard's kind of like what the old standard was. They service seniors, kids. They've got edge-up, shampoo, straight-edge, or the straight razor shaves. They'll trim your mustache and your beard. They'll shave your neck. Shine your shoes. Um, they really got it going on, and I yeah. think you're going to enjoy it. They've got locations in northwest Arkansas. They're off 71 Business on 14th Street in Bentonville. They're in the Pleasant Crossing Shopping Center in Rogers. Cantra Road in Little Rock, Chanel Parkway in Little Rock. You can log on to vbarbershop.com. Something relaxing about that hot lather going on the back of your neck. They just... Uh that you, felt good last ooh. week or early last week when it was cold. That's Comes sure. right out of that machine, man. That's 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 good stuff right there. I wanted to give an update on Demar Hamlin. I just pulled up Twitter because I just want to make sure that nothing has Nothing's changed true. since then. But uh, Jordan Rooney, who's his uh, spokesman at this point in time, I think he's his agent or he's worked with him in some capacity. Here was him on Good Morning America, the latest on Demar Hamlin. So I can't speak specifically on his medical condition. I will say is that you know he's fighting he's a fighter i felt like in the moment it did need to be some clarity that you know he was awake at that time and now he's sedated so the family's in good spirits we're honestly just taking it minute by minute hour by hour chuck tommy and i were talking yesterday i've i've really never seen anything like it in the circumstances i thought troy aikman and joe buck did an admirable job and just kind of let the moment they didn't make it a a whole reality TV show, as I heard Derek say yesterday. What did you make of the event that occurred on Monday night? Well, I didn't, you know, I was, I was, I was not watching it live. We just finished Musa's show, actually, at Sassy's. And so I knew it had happened and um, just kind of watched the, you know, watched the replay, for, uh, you know, later on. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, it's, just, it's freakishly tragic. I mean, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, just almost, you know, something you didn't expect to see, certainly on that type play. I, I think we've become, unfortunately, I think we've become conditioned to seeing guys get knocked out, you know, with uh, helmet-on-helmet collisions. Uh, and they're, you know, I mean, they can be really scary. This was one of those things that, 
you know, it, it was, I, I think I read where it may have been, and I don't know, there's a lot of things out there that may or may not be true that, um, you know, like a one in 264 million chance that your body would take a blow that would, that would cause that to happen. So, um, just a, again, just freakishly tragic and, um, you know, it's it's been interesting to read the reactions. I saw where Aaron Rodgers said, you know, we may need a timeout. And I saw where one of the other players says that said that, you know, my wife's afraid for me to play this week. So when something like this happens, I mean, it, it certainly gives you pause. Um, but I think before we, you know, the, the overriding issue is the health of DeMar Hamlin, obviously. But um, this is this is going to be a real talking point. They're not going to continue that game between the Bills and the Bengals. So we're talking about kind of the NFL college comparisons. What do you do if you're Roger Goodell and his team in regards to NFL playoffs, this game, then what you just referenced was I was going to bring up, Chuck, if players feel at this point unsafe to, to play this weekend, what, what do you do in this? You listen to the men in the arena. That's what I think. I think that happened Monday night, and I think it continues to. I think that should continue to be the course of action. I think this is where um, the owners, the league, they need to defer to their players' union. And um, I think that the, you know, again, I think, I think the men in the arena should make the call on this one, and I think the others need to defer to them. Do you think they play this weekend? What's your gut, Tommy? You talking about the league playing or who or just these teams playing? Yeah, I think playing? they play. Well, this week, I mean, yeah. they already said they're not yeah. going to pull it. They're not continuing the game, right? I mean, but, but I mean, carry on. I mean, I'm not sure who's next on their schedule, but I mean, the business that you move on. There's 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 playoff seating at stake. There's uh, you know there's, there, there's just a lot to admit. But let's this is a was how many billions now? It was nine. I think ten or eleven billion dollar industry. So I mean, at some point you move on, people. You know, tragic things happen. People get injured. Uh, I, I'm interested. I think it's too soon for the league yeah. to take that stand, right. though. I think it's too soon for the league to take that stand. I, I, th- I think, again, I um, I don't know what they'll do this weekend. If you say, what's your gut? My gut is they'll play. Yeah. But uh, um, if the players say, we don't think we should play, and, and let me tell you something. I mean, um, the players run pro sports. Yes. If the players say we're not playing, they ain't playing. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, that's just how it is. So, um, and if you again, notice, I, if, if you know, I every... think the players should make this decision. And I think what you said, Tommy, is relevant. But I think it's way too soon for the NFL to take that position. And if you'll notice, every statement released by Roger Goodell in the NFL said, in consultation, in agreement with, or something to that effect, the players' union. Um, and I think that's really of note. They, they, I don't think they make many major moves in this league without consulting the, the players' union. So um, I, there's some other things with this Hamlin deal we'll get to, but uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what unfolds over the next few days and how the league organizes uh, their next steps. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. With 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the gang and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar! First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. 
First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Trent Gordon has entered the transfer portal, according to Matt Zenitz of On3 Sports. Arkansas has got 20-plus guys that have now done that as of late. We also mentioned earlier Jordan Dominic entered in the transfer portal. Mentioned that yesterday for those that are just jumping in with us. Arkansas right now. Is the sky falling? Some people it, think the sky is falling right now. I was, I'm, I was a little... How much did Trent Gordon play? Not much. Okay. I, I mean, you, you know more than I would. I mean, my point is, is that, you know, you've lost a guy that didn't play much. I mean, guys like that, and it's nothing against him. I mean, I'm not picking on him. I'm just saying that most guys that are in the transfer portal can be easily replaced. I mean, in a worst-case scenario, you replace a backup with a backup, and at least he's hungry. I mean, at least he's hungry. I mean, he's going to a new place. At least he's, you know, he's got a little chip on his shoulder, so... My point is, is that with a lot of these guys, I don't, I don't think it really means that much. Arkansas takes on Missouri tonight at seven thirty. Chuck and Z will be on the call. Also, Dave Neal will be on the call as well. Chuck was talking with him this morning on the latest edition of the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast. Loved hearing this from Dave. When Bud Walton Arena is going, I take it over any other arena in America, man. It is something else. And so, good luck to Missouri handling that. It'll be another test for those guys. One of my favorite things back in the day was listening to him and watching him on Lincoln Financial and. Jefferson Pilot Sports. He's been around forever. I know. I mean, <laughs> he started young. Yeah. He started young. His dad was a longtime broadcaster. Yeah, too. Bob Neal. Yeah. Yeah. Florida guy? Are they Florida guys? Uh, Georgia, I believe. Georgia, Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dave seems like a nice guy. Chuck, One of he, the best. One of the really good guys. Isaiah Joe last night had himself a game. 21 points for the former Northside Grizzly and Arkansas Razorback, including a pretty posterizing dunk. Joe's going to go right by Griffith. Just no contest whatsoever. And then Joe with the emphatic stuff. It's poetry in motion last night watching him and Jalen Williams play together. I know Coach Burnett and then Coach Muss. And then just to, to see those guys connect on the, the professional level was pretty cool. And you mentioned. What they score? 150? 150. They score 150 last stat, night? Say that stat yeah, you said they, earlier, Tommy. It's like a hot. It's the second most of the, the Boston the most, Celtics. It's the most that the Thunder have scored since moving to Oklahoma City. It's the second most that have ever been scored against the Celtics. Going it's a lot back of to points. 1979. Yeah, it's a, ton, it's a lot of points. Ton of man. points. It was uh, it's fun. 48 to minutes, 150 points. 150 is tied for the second highest total the second the Celtics have allowed in franchise history. Now, when you say the word Celtics in franchise history, that's a mouthful. Only behind 160 that the Pistons put on them in '79. Behind the Razorbacks laying 166 on Florida International that year. Jeez, man. All right. 
Two other things before we end our hog update. Jalen Catalan has a visit to Purdue later this week, former Razorback, and also former Razorback Kiero Small has been named the Purdue Director of Strength and Conditioning there. He was at Michigan, but he's looked Good like for he, him. That's great. I was excited about that. I always love watching Kiero Small play. I remember when he uh, just absolutely mauled that guy in the Texas A&M game. Everyone remembers when Broderick punched it in, I think, on a third and three or third and four. If you remember that play, Kiero just crushed some guy. Well, he, he, well, he break face mask, remember? That was the I big mean, deal with him. People remember the football, and I understand that, but I'm going to tell you what, Kiero Small's as good as they come. I mean, if you knew his story, I mean, that's what college sports is all about. And uh, couldn't couldn't be happier. He is one of my all-time favorite Razorbacks in any sport. And um, I'm glad he's getting that opportunity, and he'll do great. You think about it. I mean, he's at Purdue now, and I guess Tank's the, the head guy at Illinois. Um, so I saw where uh, Aaron Henry coordinated their defense in the bowl game, and he was a GA here. So a lot of those guys are doing well. That's going to do it for your hog update. It is brought to you by Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, so guys, apparently it's pop music chart day. Mm. You guys like pop music, or is there a song that you listen to when you're in your 20s or 30s that brings you back a little bit? Oh, I think if you go back and you find your little MJ, little Michael Jackson... Probably pretty good stuff from the A's. Is that, is that pop? Is that even considered pop now? So. Or? He was the king of pop. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, so, you know, what would you, Billy Jean or Man in the Mirror? But probably first two I'd mention. Do you know the thriller? Well, yeah. You know that? Yeah. Can you do it like right now? I don't have the like, glove on. I can't do it without do the, the gloves. gloves. You know, I'm a, I got a moonwalk. If I'm going to do it, I got a moonwalk. Moon <laughs> what about you, Chuck? It's Michael Jackson. No, uh, that was a. Uh, you know, that was a little after. I, I, I'm a 70s guy. You know, I was of that age in the 70s. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff out there then. He's going to go hauling oats on us or something here. No, I'm not going to go hauling oats. <laughs> I love hauling oats, I'm not going to go man. hauling oats. Hauling oats is great. We listened to hauling oats and senior year, and we listened to, I can't think of that other band, but it was like some retro stuff. We like uh, to pull it back every once yeah. in a while. I'm a I good. was a rock and roll guy back then. I'm gonna go seventy. I'm going to my man James Taylor. That's that's where I'm going. Of course you are. Yeah, uh, of course you are. All right, we got hour number three coming up here on the morning rush. Lots to talk about with this Arkansas basketball team. Seven thirty tonight. Zach and I will have hog reaction later on. Tommy, you mentioned some stats. The fact that you've gone back to back home openers with the loss. I think a lot of Arkansas fans are expecting this team to win tonight, especially with them as a seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, a couple of years ago, a really good Missouri team that was ranked 12th in the country beat you. Vanderbilt last year, I think Chuck surprised a lot of people for Arkansas to lose that game. I don't know that people were hitting the panic button, but point is Arkansas hadn't necessarily started well. They're, I think they were one in three, you said earlier last year to start mm-hmm. conference, but it doesn't mean the end of your year can't be satisfying, but, uh, you know, there's some history to say Arkansas's had a slow start. Well, a lot of times it's just been due to personnel issues, and I think, you know, that's part of it right now, frankly, is that, you know, you think about when we were really excited. You know, we were talking about Brazil and Smith, and Brazil's gone, and Smith has been absent a lot. So you've got to figure out where your points are going to come from. I... um uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got to go on with who you got. And uh, it appears as though, at least for right now, I mean, this is who they got. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have to retool some things offensively. Now, I think the other night against LSU, 
Um, you know, and I said this earlier, I thought they got some open looks early on. The shots didn't drop, and they got frustrated, and before you know it, they're, they're putting shots up from everywhere. Sometimes that'll happen on the road. Doesn't generally happen as much at home. I'll bet they shoot the ball better tonight. Well, if they shoot the ball well tonight and play the way they did against LSU and every other facet, they're going to have a good chance to win, although I do think Missouri's really good. If they shoot it well and, and they're not a great distance shooting team, but if they can make some threes, maybe you get the zone loosened up or get Missouri out of the zone, I would suspect you're going to see some zone at some point. That, well, that you'll see me, a lot. Yeah, you're going to see it and, a lot all year. Well, and 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 look, here's the thing. Uh, people talk about attacking a zone. Well, you got to be able to shoot from the outside. They're going to slap some zone on you. You got to shoot from the perimeter. No, you got to get the ball to the middle of the floor. You got to get the ball to the nail. You got to get the ball to the foul line. You, the high post, as the old timers would call it. That's where you got to get the ball. That's how you attack a zone. This idea that you just shoot somebody out of a zone, uh, it doesn't really work like that. The nail. I haven't heard that in a while. No, I love the the the, uh, the high post. That was something that our coaches used back in the day, but I have not heard the nail in quite some time. Got to limit Kobe Brown, too. He's been there for 10 years, it seems like. Hopefully he doesn't have a great game tonight. Hour number three coming up. Let's talk about this college football national champion matchup between Georgia and TCU. Something Tom Hart said about it I want to address in hour three. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Chuck, you were talking about on the latest edition of the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast. Sometimes it comes down to who's just the better quarterback. Max Duggan taking on Stetson Bennett in the national championship on Monday night. You think Duggan's a little better based on how he's been this year? Well, you know, I thought what happened in the semifinals anyway, I, I, I think, you know, when you look at why TCU beat Michigan, I think the quarterback had a lot to do with it. Sometimes... The team with a better quarterback is the one that wins the game. And I do think Duggan, you know, probably in terms of the ability to 
you know, win the game by himself, so to speak, even though no one does that. I, but I think if you apply that standard, he's he's probably the best one playing in the national championship game. And I say that with all due respect to Stetson Bennett, who's a great player. But, um, you know, if it comes down to that, I wouldn't bet against TCU. And I don't know that he will. But, um, hey, they were impressive. They 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 made a believer out of me against Michigan. Now, Michigan got hosed on that touchdown pass right before the fumble. But um, TCU certainly earned the win. Did the Heisman voters get it wrong based on what we saw in the Cotton Bowl, based on what we saw in the semifinals? Did did they get the right person in in college sports' biggest individual award? No. They got it. Who would you have given it to? I think a lot I mean, of people. That's the thing. Yeah. Or sorry. Yes, they got it wrong. Yes, they well, who, absolutely did. Who would you have picked then? Not Caleb Williams. Well, but I mean, you say they got it wrong, but I mean, who they who? See, I'm not saying I'm not taking up for Caleb Williams. I'm not saying that. I, I don't. I don't. You know, when I look at him, I, I I don't see a Heisman guy. But I don't know who you'd pick. That's the thing that made it difficult this year was there was there was not a dominant player on a dominant team. I think Max Duggan's an easy answer, but I think that's the feel-good story, you know, because he, he's the underdog. He's at the underdog school. So, well, and, and you know, if 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 you were going to pick a guy, yeah, I I think he'd be the one. Now, I'm of the opinion, and you know, with as much weight now as we put on the the four-team playoff and what's going to become the twelve-team playoff, I, I I don't think you should vote on the Heisman stuff. I until agree. after the season's over. That was my next question. Should we move the, the time frame? Because well, you to should. Me, these games matter too much, and it's the last thing we see. And to me, it's it's watering down or clouding the, the importance of, of one of the biggest individual awards in sports. Well, as much good as ESPN's done for sports fans, I, I think they've kind of ruined the Heisman. The reason they do what they do is, I mean, you're not going to have – uh, you're not going to have that college awards show in the middle of basketball season on a night when, you know, Duke's playing North Carolina. I, I mean, you're just not going to do that. It's in in December between the games. They're, you know, they're looking for college football programming and that awards show and the Heisman thing. I mean, that's all a big part of keeping college football on the front burner between the league championship games and the bowl games. And so... I don't think they're going to change it. I do think they should. I, I don't think – and, look, I, I think this about MVP awards in pro sports. Um, with as much emphasis as we put on championships now, um, the guys that lead you to the championships are the ones that – you know, I mean, again, if, if, if we were re-voting on the Heisman today, I don't know who'd win it, but I'll bet you Caleb Williams wouldn't. That, um, go ahead. No, I was – finish your thought, Chuck. No, I, I'm done. All you. I, I agree. I mean, he would not win it but just based on the way the, the end of that Cotton Bowl played out. But uh, hey, That's why we love college football, the way that game ended up. Man, oh, what man. a moment. Greenway. What a moment. Made, made my day. Yeah. Been some really entertaining bowl games. I know some marquee players haven't participated, but to this point, I think you've had a pretty solid bowl season. This is what I want to get into, though. TCU, first year under Sonny Dykes. He drives 30 minutes from Dallas to Fort Worth and has the Horned Frogs in the national championship. Now, Gary Patterson deserves a lot of credit. 
That program was nothing before he got there. But I want to get to something that Tom Hart said yesterday. And Kalen DeBoer, I think like a couple coaches out there, like Sonny Dykes, like others, like Josh Heupel, they've shown that you no longer need four, five, six years to build a program. Get me in there. Let me get the NIL money working. Let me jump into the transfer portal. Let's get this sense of belief and momentum around our program, and we can get there immediately. So it used to kind of be that four- to five-year process. I mean, is it now just one year? I mean, based on what Dykes has done, Heupel's done in two. Well, that- hey, I want to make I this it's one year or two. No. I want to make this point, too, about Sonny Dykes. He deserves a ton of credit for what's happened. But let's not forget Gary Patterson laid a great foundation there for him to build on. And while that didn't end well, uh, or, or end up him being fired, he, he probably just ran out of you know his tenure there. He, he'd been there, stayed maybe a little too long at the party. It, it's not like Dykes inherited just a, uh, a a terrible situation at TCU. Well, the common denominator between Josh Heupel and Sonny Dykes is they have great quarterbacks. Um, Heupel had a 24-year-old stud as his quarterback, and. You know, Duggan's a, you know, he's a veteran, really, really good quarterback. Um, TCU's recruiting at an elite level now, though. I'm not sure what's going on down there um, in, in, in terms of how they're doing it. Um, sometimes you got to be inside a program before you really get a feel for how they're recruiting. But whatever they're doing, um, they're recruiting at a much different level than what they once did. And, you know, Sonny Dykes does deserve a lot of credit, um, I believe. And, and, you know, two years ago, TCU, you know, they couldn't even field a team to play the Razorbacks in the bowl game. Um, they needed a breath of fresh air. I think sometimes, partly because his name's Sonny, but, uh, you know, his dad was Spike, and uh, he's kind of got that Texas draw. You know, he kind of gives that bum Phillips persona. And, you know, well, it can't be the coach. But uh, old Sonny knows his stuff. Well, now he and, was at uh, SMU. Maybe he's reading know, some of them old play manuals. I mean, there you know, yeah, Gary Patterson laid the foundation. But Gary Patterson wouldn't have gotten him here, I don't think. I agree. Gary Patterson never got him this far. Sonny Dykes is the one that's done it. Yeah. You mentioned common denominators. Mike Leach, another common denominator between – both those guys and Josh Eipel and Sonny Dykes just as former assistant coaches of his. I I know you're high on Stetson Bennett, and I I didn't think Max Duggan was as good as he was until he kind of showcased himself this season. But is that the is that the thing that could put TC over the top, Chuck? Is the fact that Duggan's just been playing out of his mind this year? Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of what we were talking about. I mean, if it comes down to the battle of quarterbacks, I mean, I'll – I'll take my chances with TCU. Now, it's not just going to be about the quarterback, but, I mean, if you got a great quarterback, you got a shot, yeah. and um, he's 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 a great one. Is that a blemish on the SEC if they lose to TCU, especially after what yeah. Dyke said about the scheduling? No. I, don't, I, don't, I, I just think TCU, if they win, they will have won a great football game, and they would have earned the national championship. I don't, I don't think it's a reflection on anything other than that. I think sometimes when you – Oh, is it a bad reflection on the SEC if they lose? I, I think that takes away from, you know, you gotta you gotta credit the victor. I, I mean, um, you know, they got scholarship athletes too, and they recruited a high level as well. And so, if TCU beats Georgia, it's not going to be the SEC's failing; it's going to be TCU's success. 
But there is a reason George is a 12 or 13 point favorite in this game. I mean, because there is a high expectation for Georgia, a blue blood, to to roll in this game. Ben, I bet that line comes down during the I, week. What I, do you want to bet? I would I would tend to agree with your thought. But the thing that excites me and the reason I'm rooting for TCU now, while TCU doesn't play in the SEC, doesn't have to face the Western Division battles and the the weekend week out rigors of the SEC, they're. They're the program that's far more like Arkansas in this game than Arkansas is like Georgia. So it gives me hope. I don't know that Arkansas is going to get to uh, the playoff even in the 12-team anytime soon. I don't know that they're going to play for a national title anytime soon. But it shows you that there's at least a path out there for a school like Arkansas to get there because I believe if TCU can find a way, Arkansas, if the stars would align, can find a way as well. Well, you know, yes, I also don't believe that some of these programs, and I think, frankly, the Big 12s like this, I don't know if TCU would be where they are today if they had to go through the week-by-week gauntlet that teams in the SEC or even the Big Ten go through. Um, I think the Pac-12's in the same position. I think they have good, really good teams in those leagues, but... If TCU, when you look at their football team, if they'd had to go through the SEC gauntlet, I don't know that they'd be right where they are right now. But they didn't, and so they are right where they are right now. That's how the game's set up. But um, I do think it's tougher week in and week out in the SEC than it is in the Big 12. Is it good for college football that you have an underdog pitted against a powerhouse? Oh, sure it is. Absolutely. People love David and Goliath. The fact that you have that parallel, which you've seen oftentimes in the NCAA tournament, but you haven't necessarily seen it since the inception of the college football. Well, you think about what happened over the holidays. Um, If you'd had a 12-team playoff, um, you know, Tulane beat USC. Um, You know, that would have been... You know, that would have been like an NCAA basketball upset. Um, you know, TCU getting to the national championship game. I don't know that they would have been – yeah, I don't know that you can call them Cinderella, but um, of the teams that got into the four-team playoff, they were probably the one that people gave the least chance of winning. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I think the playoff – the 12-team playoff is going to be a lot of fun. I'll just put it that way. Does what happened over the weekend validate the committee's decisions? Because, uh, you know, there was there was conversation about whether or not TC should be in there. Versus, sure it does. So, uh, sure I mean, it does. I mean, absolutely. I, I think even the seeding of how they put the one through four together even look right. There for a while during those games, you kind of wonder, when did they get these seeded correctly? But in the end, this was the best set of semifinals we've we've had to date. It's just like in what happened in 2014 with Ohio State beating number one Alabama. People didn't think Ohio State deserved to be in. Then they did that. Then they beat Oregon in the national championship. Yeah. The validation you're coming from is based on that, those teams winning. And I just wonder, can we have more or less games like what we saw this weekend with a new 12-team format? Now, you know, the top, was it the top four conference champions get the buys? Yep. I think that's the, how how, mm-hmm. how the format's going to work, which would not mean the four best teams, right? Because you know, you look at the four teams now that were in there: TCU, not a not a conference champion; uh, Ohio State, not a conference champion. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah. and those are some well, things that, that may have to get adjusted or looked at moving forward. See, I I, th- I think the fact that you've got the four conference champions in there, regardless of you know where they line up, I think that's how you get it done. That's how they got it done. 
um, you know, the 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 fan and you and the logic says, well, you know, re reseed them, seed them one through twelve, regardless of conference. But you'd have never gotten it done that way. Yeah. You'd have never gotten this pushed through that way. This is, you know, this was the concession that you made to get it get it finished ultimately. Hey, if you've made a New Year's resolution to pay attention to your money. I want to wholeheartedly recommend to you the Mach 1 Market Moment Podcast. It's a new year. What does 2023 hold? Well, with the Mach 1 Market Podcast, you have an opportunity to hear what local people think about this. And I think you'll find it very interesting uh, when you when you listen to their podcast and you listen to their forecast for 2023. Now, you can go to Mach1FG.com. That's Mach, M-A-C-H, the number one, F-G, Com. And I really do think that you'll be smarter about your money after you listen to that podcast. I can guarantee you that. Mach 1 Financial Group LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. They're located in Bentonville, Arkansas. For full disclosures, visit Mach1Financial.com slash disclosures. Let's talk to Kenny in Panama City. Good morning, Kenny. Uh, good morning. I uh, just had a quick question about uh, Jordan Dominic. Um he transferred to us from Georgia Tech, so wouldn't he have to sit out after if he transferred again? It's a grad transfer, so he does not have that uh, okay. that that thing tying him down, basically. Okay, that's all I was wondering. You know, one thing to think about it, and it's and it's and it's interesting that he said that, and that sparked a thought. You know, there was a time when if a player left a school you could generally surmise with a pretty good degree of accuracy that he's not happy. Because, you know, back then, again, back in the golden era, um, when you transferred, you had to sit out a year. You know, there was no one-time transfer. There was none of this free-for-all. You had to sit out a year, period, end of story. There's a price to pay. So if you were going to do that, if you were going to do that, you know, you, you needed to be unhappy. You know, and, and most of the time that, you know, that was the story. Now, you just throw yourself out there, whether you're happy, unhappy, whatever. I'm just going to throw myself out there and see what they offer me. You know, see where I end up. And, uh, um, you know, I think a lot of them do have that attitude. But I think as fans, there was a time when you were generally right if you thought if a kid left, boy, he's not happy with the coach. He's not happy with something. That was generally true. Now, it's not always true. You mentioned, I, th- I think it was you that said this earlier, Chuck, that sometimes people, whatever line of work are in, they're just happy with their job, but then you get a call one day and you get offered a lot more money, a lot more of this. Is that, think you think, happening a lot in college Well, I don't football? know that it's happening a lot, but I think it, you know, it may very well happen. Um, you know, I, I don't... Um, I don't know what the situations are, and the thing is, it's easy to allow your imagination to run wild when you think about why somebody might leave, and, and I'm always interested to see where they end up. I, I, I just think we're in an era, and I admit I fall victim to this too, that you know when a player leaves, a good player leaves, um, you know I'm always anxious to see where he ends up because you know, I've grown to believe that if you follow the money, you, you generally find the answer, mm-hmm. and, um, but that's not always the case. Um, but I do think in some cases it is. I, I think, I think more what, often than not it is. Well, uh, well, in this case, though, what I think happens the most, what I think happens the most is guys just aren't playing, and they want to go somewhere where they can play. That's why this 
portal is dominated by guys who are backups. It is not dominated by stars and starters. I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm going to guess 80% of the guys who entered into the transfer portal were unhappy with their playing time or they weren't getting to play at all. And um, that's, that's still at the root of this. We naturally focus on other things, and I'm guilty of it too. But most of these guys that are in the transfer portal can be easily replaced. Let's talk to Rob, who's in Harrison. Rob, good morning. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Um, hang on, let me get you off speakerphone real quick. Uh, I got a real... Uh, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, hey, Rob, you going yeah, to listen? That's all right. We'll wait. Yeah. That's okay. Go ahead. Um, I thought I had an idea to get us uh, use the transfer portal. Hang on. Let's hear it. Is this better? Yeah, you sound great. What's your idea? All right. So uh, if a person, if a player comes in, let's just say, for instance, he gets a $100,000 NIL deal, um, 50000 of that goes into escrow. They get, and that, that increases over the years. Now, if um, they decide to go into the portal, then they have to pay back 75% of the NIL money they got from the school that they really signed with before they can transfer or they can refuse to pay, they can not pay the money back and keep the money and then sit out a year. I think we should use them, use one against the other. Rob, I think that's a good idea in theory, but I don't think agents well, are going to agree to that, right? If you, if you take, if you take the approach, and this was the way it was supposed to have been set up from the get-go, that no NIL deals could be offered or discussed or talked about or, or however you want to phrase it until an NIL was signed, till they were on campus. If you if you just forbid NIL deals till you were into your freshman year or following your freshman year, it eliminate a lot of this using NIL for recruiting purposes. That's the rub, I think, with most people. Chuck, it feels like you know th this is the recruiting carrot everyone's dangling, and that's what we got to get away from. Well, I don't know how you get away from it, and, and I don't mean to sound like a pessimist. I, I just I just don't know how you get away from it because I mean, look, eh, what's to uh, let's say you can't use money as you, you know you can't offer them an NIL deal up front. What's to keep a guy from saying, well, Johnny, I can't guarantee anything. You know the rules prohibit that, but if you come play for good old State University. I got a pretty good idea you're going to get a six-figure deal from this fella. So, I mean, you're still doing the same thing. And, and whatever the rules are, the one thing that I will say, whatever rule you come up with, you've got to be for everybody, and you've got to have some, some ability to enforce your rules. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.